Welcome to the Managing Happiness Podcast, helping you to find your true purpose, bring out your A-game, and cultivate the right habits. We're interviewing experts, authors, and thought leaders who are here to share their tried and tested methods that will help you to thrive in life. Here's your host. Welcome to another episode of the Managing Happiness Podcast. Today, we have John Sloughlin on the podcast, an internationally recognized author, speaker, and corporate trainer with over 25 years of experience. And he's also similar to us here at Managing Happiness. He's helping people to achieve excellence, help people to be in the A-game, to be productive, and to focus on the things that actually matter. Jones, I'm excited to have you here. Fill the blanks of like all the cool things that you're doing. <laughs> Thank you, David. What an honor to be on uh, your podcast. I love the focus of managing happiness because too many people see happiness as a destination, not a journey. And, you know, it is all about the daily choices we make. So that's one of the intersections that you and I have is helping people make those choices that I say thrive. You say happiness. If we're thriving, we're happy. If we're happy, we're thriving. So we'll connect on that level as well. So pleasure to be here. Thank you for being very much aligned in what you're doing. I'm curious to, to tickle out the most impactful things from your program that my audience can take away. But just listened to a summary of your book, Juggling Elephants, which is a very cool title. And you're focusing on also the three most important areas, relationships, work, business, profession, and the self. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious, like, how do you determine what are the things that really matter for you in these three different areas? In Managing Happiness, we figure out the vision, mission, values for the different areas. I'm curious, what's your take on this? What advice do you give people to pick the right things for them? I love the the mission, vision, and values mindset. Juggling Elephants, of course, is a quick read on this idea of getting your most important things done. And what we say in Juggling Elephants is that you start with purpose. In fact, the whole essence behind Juggling Elephants is you need to manage your work and life like it is a circus. And one of the questions we'll ask people sometimes in a training program or in a coaching session, I'll say, you know, what's the purpose of the circus? And everybody gets really excited. They go, entertainment. I'm like, oh, great. So if the circus owner makes decisions based on how entertaining each act will be, the circus will be successful, right? And everybody goes, yeah. And then there'll be somebody in the room. Oh, and I love it when this person shows up and they go, wait a minute. The purpose of the circus is to make money. <laughs> how they do it is by being entertaining. And then I'll look at the group. I go, does that make a difference in what acts or activities you put in your day if your purpose is different? And everybody goes, yeah. And so then we move into a discussion on thinking about purpose. What makes you feel most alive? What do you most connect with? All those things that you teach about. And so I think that's where it has to start is what's the purpose? What's the outcomes you're looking for from your day, your week, your month, your life? And then it's going to be carried out in those three rings that you just mentioned ago, your work. It's going to be carried out in how you take care of yourself and the relationships that you have in your life. And so that's the framework. And then it's a matter of choosing what's most important based on the outcomes you want each day. That's where we talk about being the ringmaster, taking control of your day versus letting your day control you. Yes, yes, yes. Picking a destination versus being the, the leaf in the wind. Oh, love that. Yes. Do you mind sharing what's in the three areas of your life, what your purpose is or your mission, your vision, like how you have defined this for yourself? Sure, absolutely. 
first of all, my work. And of course, my work is very intimately tied to my purpose there, which is to help other people thrive, to help them to make the choices that help them thrive. I mean, that's very simply what I do. And so everything that I do in whether it's coaching or speaking or training, creating videos, that's what my drive is, is how is this going to help them thrive? You know, what am I sharing with them that's going to help them in that way? For my relationship ring, it really becomes a set of governing values I think of in that way. You know, I am a great father. I'm a supportive spouse. I have a list of governing values that I use there. And then I have activities under each one that says, okay, if I am a supportive father, I'm doing these things. And so that happens there. And then for self, it's all about asking myself, am I happy? Am I happy about the person I'm becoming? both professionally, personally, and in relationships. And so if I'm continuing to grow and making choices to help me grow, then I'm in a good place with myself. If I'm making choices that I go, how does that help you be successful in those other rings? And if I have to question that, and I go, maybe I need to make some different choices as it relates to my own personal well-being. How do you organize this? Do you have like a like a VTO vision traction organizer when you stay in the EOS world, which is like some organization development thingy. How do you organize this? You have it like on a spreadsheet. How does this look in your program? What I do is I have a five-step process that I use that's very, very dull, but I like it because it's simple. For me, it's always starting out with purpose. And that's where I've got the three rings visualized. Of course, I've been teaching it over uh, almost two decades now. So I, I don't have to go, hmm, what are the three rings? But I always start with purpose and, and think about what's the outcome? What's the purpose I have in each one of my rings? And then I say, okay, if that's the case, then number two, what are my priorities? What are the activities I should have in my day to accomplish my purpose? Number three becomes looking at my non-discretionary time. I mean, literally looking at my calendar going, okay, as I look at my day or as I look at my week, what's already there? meetings, events, activities, other commitments. And then the fourth step is what is my discretionary time? It's part where I think a lot of people fail to take advantage of is this whole idea of going, where do I see places in my calendar where those activities can go, where I can work on the deeper work, the writing, the creating side of things. And then step five is taking the opportunity to put those activities from step two into my calendar. Again, it's a place where I think a lot of people leave it on a list and then they wonder why it never gets done. It's because they never put it into their day. So they can go, oh, from two to four, I've blocked out to work on this. And then of course, you've got to create habits around that. I know you're a big fan of habits as well. Yeah, I do a similar thing. I have like focus time. I live by my calendar from working out in the morning, yoga routine, et cetera, family time, and then focus time. And in the focus time, the I always plan the next day and then I always write into the calendar in the focus time block, what I'm actually going to focus on, picking from my to-do list. So as you said, like then it actually gets done. You bring up a great point. So many people are trying to work from a list. They make a list. Oh, I really want to get to this today. And they've got this list and they never do what you just said, which is they take the focus time and say, okay, where's this going to go? And as we say in Jogging Elephants, there's no shortage of acts for the circus. If you don't put that in your calendar, then some other act's going to show up, whether it's mindlessly scrolling through social media or an interruption from a coworker or something. But we have to be proactive about using that focus time to get it into our calendar so it stands a better chance of getting done. So I, I just couldn't miss that point when you said that. It's so true. 
I read this yesterday. Idle Mind is a devil's playground. <laughs> yes. You know, so just kind of like rather plan everything out. And some people say like, oh, that's not worth spontaneity. You know, kind of like it becomes like boring. But if we have a meeting, I'd like to come and have an agenda plan that this is what we do. I'm totally cool to throw it away if there's like another opportunity or if you think, okay, let's just go for a walk or whatever, you know, like I'm, I'm totally cool with that, but I still, I think it's not being the leaf in the wind, kind of having like a clear destination on, on where you want to go. It definitely helps to define these things. You're also an extreme productivity nerd. You also help people with being productive. What do you think, aside from having your to-dos and then adding them to a space in the calendar, what are your other favorite productivity hacks or habits? Number one is how you start your day. You look across the research and, and the successful people, and I know in my own experience, is it's how you start your day. It just sets such a blueprint for the rest of the day. For me, that means having my reflection time in the morning. It's my planning. It's when I block out some time to read, but it's, it's mine. I mean, it's almost like, ah, you know, I got to have it because it just sets me up to have the right mindset to be able to work efficiently. So to me, that's one of them. A second one is creating healthy boundaries. We have to create healthy boundaries because if not, we are the leaf in the wind each day. And so I think that's boundaries, whether it relates to how you work with other people, how you conduct yourself during the day, where does the mobile phone go during the day when you're trying to do focus? I mean, I think there's all kinds of boundaries that we have to create. And then I think the third thing is we've got to be willing to stop and celebrate the win. Too often we beat ourselves up for what's not getting done. Because you're, like you said, if you're driven by productivity, you're like, oh, there's always more, there's always more. Well, there's always going to be more. Until we're dead, there's going to be more. So stopping to go, yeah, I did get that done today. And I should celebrate that because it gives us enormous mental and emotional energy to go after the next thing. But if we don't, then we just always feel like there's that next thing. And it goes back to that mindset of juggling elephants that we talk about in the book. Yeah, it's something I definitely want to improve on. I was just like, okay, this done next, it's done, it's next. And for me, that's fine. I also don't beat myself up. That's not the issue. But I think especially with my team, you know, I think like appreciate the more connection. Like, hey guys, great job. I think that's definitely something that I want to incorporate. Thank you for bringing this up. You're also working with, with companies, right? On your website, you say having you and your team make the best choices with your time so you can thrive. I'm a personal organizational development geek. So like I have a portfolio of 10 businesses and I really like to systematize and help people thrive. Same as you. So I'm curious, like when it comes to organizational development, what do you think is the most impactful thing you can help organizations with to focus on so they can thrive? You know, it's interesting, David, because I find that it's many of the same things that helps us individually thrive. For an organization, or let's just say, let's take it to the team level. For a team, it's having the same outcomes in mind, knowing what the goals and expectations are. It's, you know, everybody being on the same page, use whatever language you like, but I think that's where it starts. And once everyone is on the same page or they're moving in the same direction is, okay, what is each individual's contribution to that? Having very clear expectations, I think is a key for that. Just like for an individual in their day, if you've got your day planned out, Certainly, there's going to be some things that might happen. But if you've got your day planned out, you can very confidently move in that direction. But if you've got to stop and go, I wonder if I should or should I, you've wasted so much time and energy. And so I think it's critically important for every member of the team to have very clear expectations of what they should be doing, what they should be working on. I think that comes 
to bear on productivity. And then I think it comes back to that leader or manager and how they are making sure that people are focused on the right tasks, the right activities, and being that encourager you talked about a moment ago, giving people the positive reinforcement when things are going well, and then holding them accountable proactively as much as possible when things aren't going as the team thinks that they should. I just think those are some of the the foundational things. One thing that's worked phenomenally well in my business, also in my life, I have an error log. So whenever anything goes wrong, like in the business customer complaint or deadline is not met or any screw up, we add this to the error log. And then, you know, we have like, what happened? Who was the lead on this? Which customer was affected? Is it fixed or not? And most importantly, how can we make sure this never happens again? So we kind of then contemplating. So we've become a self-healing machine so we can optimize our standard operating procedures to make sure this doesn't happen again. And nobody gets into trouble for committing mistakes, but you get in serious trouble with me if you don't add it to the error log. It has been working really well. And I also do this for me personally. I have an error log whenever something does not work or I don't like something, I write it down and then I contemplate and what can I do to make sure this doesn't happen again. For example, a few days ago, I looked at my stock portfolio and looked at my crypto portfolio and then had like in two of my businesses had some issues and I was like down. I was like, eh, I was not having it, not being in a good state. And I thought, okay, what can I do to get out of this? And I went to my Know Yourself document to pick a few things that helped me to get out of this state. So I went for a long run. It's always a good thing for me, sweating and kind of like sorting my, my brain while doing this. And I did a gratitude exercise, kind of realizing like how many good things I actually have in my life. This small issue, like six months from now, I won't even think about it. And then I can be from a victim mode into becoming to a proactive action-oriented thingy. So writing this down, like, okay, this was the issue. And then this is how I solved it. Yeah, I love the idea of the airlock. And what I really like about that, it's similar to something that I was talking to a lot of my coaching clients about during the early days of the pandemic. You know, we thought the world was going to fall apart. And so it was interesting because so many people were worrying. And so I can't remember where I got the concept from, but there's a concept called quarantining your worry. Because, you know, you think about it, David, during the day, just like you said about if something goes wrong, you start worrying about it. You say, well, I'm not going to worry about it. And your brain says, oh, yes, you are, because <laughs> you know it wasn't as it should be. And that's what causes us to worry when something isn't as it should be. And so what quarantining your worry about is finding a place in your day where you're going to allow yourself to worry about it. And I started using it and it was life changing for me because when my brain would bring up something and go, oh, you should be worrying about this, I'd go. Tomorrow morning when I'm exercising, I'm going to worry about that. <laughs> and it was amazing how it worked because then the next morning I was ready to worry about it. I had my list of three or four things. And what was great about it was that because I was prepared to think about it, I could work through it much more clearly because many times during the day, if I'm worrying about something, I've got something else going on I really need to be focusing on. So it's kind of like that ping pong effect. But if I've got a place set aside for worry, I found out, wow, I could think so much more clearly and come up with a solution. I love this. It's so good. I definitely want to share this with my audience and also in the course because then I'm solution-oriented to figuring this thing out. Otherwise, it's just distracting you from what you're doing and you'll just feel bad. You know, it's like nobody wins. In the pandemic, actually, I, I did the same thing. I heard pretty early on, I think it was in January, like before it globally started, a friend of mine sent me a video from China where they were like going nuts over this. I'm like, okay, this does not look good. So I sat down and thought about like, what can I do to make sure with reasonable amount of money and time effort to protect myself from this, right? So I bought some food for two months. I bought an oxygen tank and oxygen meter. 
some masks and some hand sanitizer. And I thought, okay, now I did everything that's doable with a reasonable amount of efforts and time investment. And then I stopped worrying about this. You know, I kind of did everything I can do. And then we move on. Same business, you know, like you have like some issue or like some investment or like some decision you want to make. You think about like, what can you do to make sure with reasonable amount of money and time effort, like to mitigate the most obvious risks. And then once you've done this, then just roll, you know. I think it is so important because you know, your listeners know that having your mind clear for what's in front of you and being fully present in the moment is such a key to happiness, productivity, fulfillment. And we don't employ tactics like this. We just find things all messed up. And in fact, I'm reading a great book right now called Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. And it's just fascinating about how when we get all these things going on in our head, how it really does back us up from being able to be at our best and get the right things done. Same thing with eating the frog. Do you know the book? Yep, absolutely. Brian Tracy. Absolutely. So for those of you who don't know what this is, it's basically picking the task that you don't really want to do that you will most likely procrastinate on. Often this is the most important task and doing this task first thing in the morning because otherwise it stays same like worrying. It's like it's in the back of your mind. It takes up your mental resources and it grows and grows and grows over time during the day. That's just holding you back. Whereas if you eat it in the morning, you just get it done. It gives you an energy boost. I have this off my plate and not can do other stuff. Absolutely. That's why for me, exercise has to be first thing in the morning. Because can I just be honest? I'm not a fan of exercise. I love it when it's over, but I'm not a fan of it. But I know of all the, the positive impacts it has on me. If I exercise at the end of the day, it would never happen. Because I would just be lauding it over myself all day long, going, oh. And I wouldn't be productive the day. But if I get up in the morning and after my reflection time, my reading, I go out and do the run or elliptical or whatever. And you're right. The rest of the day, I'm focused because I don't have that thing hanging over my head. It's one of my key habits to sweat every day. It just helps me with happiness. It helps me like stress just like rolls off me. Otherwise, it really affects me. Mm. And one hack that I have, because, you know, sometimes I don't go to bed early enough and then you know my morning routine suffers and stuff so the best hack for me was to hire a personal trainer who comes to my house the guy stands in front of my door at 6 a.m and then there's like you know it's like there's no way out you know <laughs> and he's tall he's like yeah you're gonna listen to him <laughs> yeah that's another crutch i like to implement these types of crutches mm -hmm. i like to make it easy for myself yeah and it is the accountability that's there i mean in coaching it is fascinating to me that there are two things that happen, I think, in coaching. Number one is that you get people to stop. You know, if they're paying for this 45-minute or one-hour session every two weeks, they got to stop and talk to you. So, But the second one is just that accountability. Like you said, it's knowing that someone's going to ask you a question and go, did you do it? Or in your case, you've got this person's going, you're going to do it. Accountability is such a key. Whether you're working with a significant other in your life or a coworker or a friend, Getting that person who will hold you accountable to those things you know will make you better. So in the Managing Happiness course, we always have these accountability groups, like four people we put together and they meet on a regular basis, like once a week and kind of like do their homework together. And they also monitor each other's habits to see if somebody falls off. Just makes life much easier. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anything exciting that you're currently working on? A new book? Because you've published a lot of books. Like, well, what's exciting currently in your life? I'm currently working on a new book. As you know, from my writings, I, I love the power of story and parables and metaphors. And that comes from a long history of my work with those. I spent some time with 
working for the Who Moved My Cheese organization back in the early 2000s. I worked with the author there on delivering training on the book. And so I'm currently working on story or parable around helping people move forward when they feel stuck. We saw during the Great Resignation, you know, a lot of people all of a sudden made this huge switch or change because they felt stuck. And how do you move forward out of that? And so it's going to be built around one of the loves in my family's life, which is beekeeping. So I'm currently working on that and using the, the principles from how bees get it done. How can that be applied to our individual lives to move forward and make progress each day? And the working title, of course, is Be Focused, <laughs> B-E-E Focused. So working on that. The other thing that's happening in my world is, is, you know, the incredible interest in conferences and events happening again, which is fantastic. People love being together in person. And so I'm really enjoying that opportunity to be out and actually be face-to-face -face with clients. You're speaking again, right? Keynote speeches. Right. Yeah. The keynotes at events and conferences, that's been really helpful. And then the third thing, I would be amiss if I didn't say that. My younger daughter, Sydney, graduated high school this year. And I got to tell you, for the past probably a couple months, I'm just going to be honest, I have focused on business, but it's been more from a maintenance standpoint because I have wanted to fully embrace these last few months with our daughter before she heads off to college in the fall. And so I, I don't apologize for that because I only get one shot at this. As far as projects, I've kind of set some over. So you know what? Those projects will be there. My daughter won't. And so that's been just a real joy. We took a big family trip a few weeks ago. We've got some things planned for this summer because I know when August 16th hits, she's a full-time college student. You know, there's this amazing book called Family Board Meetings. It's also a very quick read. And the idea is that you do a board meeting event every 90 days. With I'm doing this with my daughter. So it has to be a minimum four hours, but ideally like an entire day or weekend. Only one at one time, not my wife, just me and her. And she picks what we're going to do. And she makes like a, a list of stuff that she wants to do. And this is like absolutely phenomenal. My daughter's only eight, but we've been doing it for maybe I've done like 10 or 12 board meetings. <laughs> and you, you know what I love about that, Dave, not to head off another direction, but it's just so exciting is that you talked about productivity a while ago. We think in terms of productivity as a culture, we think about work. When you, are you productive at work? But are you productive in your relationships? Are you productive? with self-care. And I love the idea of a family board meeting and just the idea of being intentional with growing that relationship with your daughter. If we planned half as intentionally for growing the relationships and taking care of ourselves in our life as we do for making sure I get my work done, think about how different our lives would be. So I, I love that family board meeting idea. A few years ago, Magic Happiness was actually applying business principles to family life. One day I came home after a long meeting about roles and responsibilities in my business back then. And it was late, it was like 9 p.m. And I was sitting on the couch, super tired. And my daughter had a full diaper. And I told my wife, like, hey, honey, look, Emma has a full diaper. And my wife was really pissed because she thought I'm telling her to change the diaper, which was not my intention. You know? so I was just like tired sitting there. And then I thought, like, why do we fight about this? She does it most of the time. I'm totally cool doing it. But... I was not aware that at a Wednesday at 9 p.m. it's my turn. And then I realized like, hey, we never talked about the roles and responsibilities in the household. And the next morning we sat down and we wrote, spelled this out, what does she expect of me and vice versa? And this took away 80% of all the friction we ever had in our relationship. And then I thought like, holy cow, if this works so well, maybe we take other stuff from business and apply it to our personal life. <laughs> like having family mission, family core values regular meetings, shared calendar, shared to-do system, like all the stuff that works well in business because like a successful business is just like 
organizing a group of people that they have no friction and a shared common goals. And yeah. so, yeah, this worked phenomenally well for me. So I turned this into a course to share it with others. Wonderful. Oh, exciting. John, this was a real pleasure having you on. I would actually maybe even love to do this again. Sure. Real pleasure nerding out with you on, on productivity. And <laughs> <laughs> well, I have learned so much today. This has been fantastic. And that's what it is. You know, there's an old adage and in my leadership book, always growing, I talk about this, but when you're green, you grow. When you're ripe, you rot. Phrase my dad used in gardening. And we can always learn from each other. There's always something out there that I can learn from you or you can learn from me or we can learn from one of your listeners. And we go, oh, yeah, I should do that. And so there's such power in community and sharing of ideas. And I just love the work you're doing with Managing Happiness. Likewise. Thank you very much. How can people find you? Of course, the website is joneslaughlin.com. One tool or resource that your listeners may be interested in is I produce a weekly video with a tip and it's three minutes or less. So I try to keep it really quick. Just a tip on how to have a better week. And your listeners can sign up for that at joneslaughlin.com forward slash weekly. And I know that'll be in the, the show notes, so uh, I won't try to spell it out. But that's a great resource. A lot of people use it. You can use it with your team. Some months I'm talking about leadership. And so, you know, I, I get a lot of small teams. Hey, Jones, we all watched the video and then we had a quick discussion about it. So it's a free resource that's available to them. I'm also on LinkedIn. That's one of the places where I put out a lot of content for businesses and also for work-life success. So uh, reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'd love to connect with people there. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook, but my primary social media platform is LinkedIn just because of the nature of the business that I'm in. Jones, thank you very much. Real pleasure. Thank you. 